Today's scripture reading is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Let's pray for Felipe as he comes to bring God's word. Lord, we thank you for Felipe. Um, thank you for the message you've given to him to share to us today. We pray that he'd have a deep sense of your presence and peace with him, God, and pray that each of us would be open to how you would be speaking to us through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Peter, for reading the scriptures this morning. And uh, thank you, Tristan, for the beautiful piece that you uh, played for us this morning. Um, I, uh, one of my uh, favorite movies is Of Gods and Men, uh, which um, talks about uh, a group of priests who decides to live in Algeria. And um, which, by the way, this movie would be great to be watched as we go through the sermon, because those priests live an ordinary life among those people um, in that place. And I'm not going to spoil the movie because I want you to watch it, but there is a crucial moment in that movie that that piece is played. And that touched my heart. So that was, was beautiful. And uh, I, I really encourage you to watch that movie as we go uh, through this uh, sermon series talking about ordinary lives. Um, but once I was talking with a person um, about juices, and asking each other, what's your favorite juice? Pineapple, guava, mango, etc., etc. And I told her that cashew juice was on one of my favorite juices. And this person says, oh, you perhaps meant milk, cashew milk. I said, no, no, not milk, juice. Cashew is a fruit, right? And she looked at me puzzled. Well, I had to pull out my phone and Google and show her the picture on my phone and, and show her that cashew is more than a nut. Um, if, you, if you don't know, that is the fruit. And uh, as you can see, it's a tree and it's a fruit. And that curl thing at the bottom, like the tail thing inside that thing is where the nut is. To be honest, I, I did not blame her for not knowing that cashew was a fruit. Because we live in a world that is so disconnected from the original sources that we, we many times we don't get the full picture of, of things. And we think that what we see is the full picture because we have only saw that in front of us. So sometimes we think that cashew is only a nut because our entire lives we only saw nuts in the grocery stores. And we never saw the fruit. So we think that Cashew is just a nut. So I'd like to use this illustration throughout the sermon of the cashew nut and cashew as a fruit, the whole thing, to talk about missions. Sometimes we perceive missions in only one aspect, 
which is true, is valid, and uh, it is nutritious, like the cashew nut, right? It's true, it's valid, it is nutritious, it's good for our bodies, and we can, only, we can even uh, get milk out of that. But we can assume that cashew nut is everything. So with that in mind, I would like to start this morning saying that missions did not start with the Great Commission. If you're not familiar what is the Great Commission, the terminology of Great Commission, Great Commission is the verses found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And it's when after Jesus' death and resurrection, when Jesus commissions, that's why we say Great Commission, he commissions his disciples to go and preach the gospel um, all over the earth. And uh, I'm highlighting some words here um, that will make sense as we go talking about this for the next few minutes. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission is true, is valid, and it is nutritious to our spiritual lives and even uh, for, for missions. But it's not everything. And let, let me explain how these verses have impacted my understanding of missions. And by the way... Um, this experience that I'm going to share, it is also true for uh, many other people, um, especially those who were born in the global south. They somehow share the same experience. As you know, I grew up Baptist. I've been always a Baptist. I've never left our denomination, and uh, I love our denomination. In my country, in Brazil, the Baptists have made enormous contributions to the development of our society. For instance, together with other Protestant denominations, we fought for cemeteries and for legal marriage to be outside the Catholic Church. More or less 100 years ago, you could not bury your dead unless you go through the Catholic Church because they were the ones who would issue you the documentation for the disease. Or you could not get married unless it's through the Catholic Church because they would be the one who would issue the marriage certificate. So the Baptists, together with other denominations, we thought that uh, cemeteries and marriages would be secular, outside of the church. And there's one more thing that Baptists did in Brazil that I'm uh, kind of proud of it. Uh, the Baptists were the ones who created the Brazilian Sign Language. If you don't know... Uh, the sign, I, I didn't know this, but this, the sign language, the language that uh, mute and deaf people use... They are not universal. The, one that, the sign that they use here in, in English is different than the one in Portuguese, which is the one different in Spanish, etc., etc. So the Baptists were the one who created the Brazilian sign language. Isn't that amazing uh, what, what Baptists have accomplished, not only in Brazil, but in, in, in many places? But there is a point that this is just the nut of this. There is the... the the cashew fruit of, of, of the whole story here. And there's something that would bother me about our mission mentality. All over the country, I'm, I'm, I'm still talking about Brazil, 
Um, and other countries, too, we would receive materials from the Baptist missionary agents, uh, the promotional material that you would receive with the, the booklets and pamphlets and the posters with the uh, pictures of the missionaries and their names and budget and the ministries that they were working on. And at the end of the material, they would always have a session saying, number of towns that do not have a Baptist presence followed by a verse, usually the Great Commission, or Joshua 1.9, or Acts, Acts 1.8, and you can check later those verses and see how the language there is similar. And that would bother me because they, use, they would use this language uh, together with, in that session with, of conquering, of almost a warfare, as, as if there were not other denomination already working in some of those towns, or as if God himself was not already at work in those places. So this idea of going and uh, conquering territory and earning so for Jesus as, as warriors of the kingdom of God, that, that would bother me. So I started digging to know where this idea of being sent and brave and conquering comes from. And I, I found that it comes from the word mission. This, this word that we use today, mission, uh, to do missions, which was first used by the Jesuits in the 1500s. So uh, when Jesus died and resurrected and the, the apostles started to spread the word around the area and it started growing all over the earth, the earth. And as the good news was spread, the gospels were getting a farther and farther from Jerusalem, it, the documentation, there's nothing saying mission. The word mission was first used in the 1500s with the Jesuits. And do you know who are the Jesuits? The Jesuits, it's a Catholic order, and they are followers of Ignatius of Loyola, a Spanish guy who was in the military. I personally use some of the, his material and I've been blessed. Whenever I have to go through a discernment process in my life, I use Ignatian's uh, 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 exercise to help me to hear God's voice. His material helps me to center my thoughts, my emotion in a systematic way that it helps me to hear God's voice to what is next in my life. And I know some people uh, they like to use the Ignatian prayer exercise for their spiritual practice, which is great and it's beautiful and has blessed many people. But this is, as I'm saying, it's just the nut, nut part of it. It's just a cashew nut. There's more. There's the, 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 the fruit. Um, and in the 1500s and uh, the following centuries uh, after that, the Jesuits were the greatest partner of the Spanish and Portuguese crown. So as those countries went conquering land in America, the, the America continent, Africa, and Asia, especially India, uh, they would go together, the Spanish, the Portuguese, and the Jesuits as the Catholic part of it. And they were the first one, as I said, to use the word missions and it was tied with this militaristic approach to missions of conquering territories and earning souls for Jesus. So uh, what else was happening in the 1500s in Europe? The Reformation. 
So Catholics and Protestants, they, they, we have different theologies, right? We have uh, even some dif uh, different biblical interpretations. However, their language and approach to missions at that time was similar. The Portuguese, while the Portuguese and Spanish was, they were with the Catholics, the British, and uh, you can even bundle the Dutch and a few other countries uh, with the Protestants. And they had similar strategy for colonization, which was basically conquering territory and imposing their religion. To the point that today, today, we can still see this language and understanding of missions in many churches. So with this background that I just gave you in mind, you can see how the Great Commission can be twisted, those words that's being highlighted can be twisted to fit this mentality of conquering territories, of going and earning and imposing uh, your religion upon other people. For that reason, I would like to bring an understanding about missions that do not start with the Great Commission. The Great Commission, as I said, is good, it's valid, it is nutritious for our spiritual lives. But I want us to have a holistic approach to missions, an integral approach to this topic. We just came back from Costa Rica with our youth, and uh, some people in our congregation asked me uh, why we went to Costa Rica, given that we went to Mexico just a few years ago, and it was an excellent trip. Some of our youth, well, they were baptized after the trip to Mexico, and uh, we blessed a family in Ensenada, the Hernandez Granados, if you may remember, uh, with a new house. And it's helping them to thrive in their community uh, uh, as a family. But the organization that we partnered in Mexico was only concerned or focused on the cashew nut. I asked them about the whole fruit, the holistic approach to mission. And they said that their understanding of missions is the cashew nut. They can even get some milk out of that, um, and, uh, and which I respect. And, uh, and it's a blessing for that community and the way that they've been doing missions there. Uh, uh, it's, it's been fruitful. But we at First Baptist, uh, the, the pastoral team, and uh, even Bob's one when he was in charge of mission and justice, uh, we believe that, that we have a more holistic approach to missions. And we want to consider the whole thing. The, the whole cashew fruit. So that's why we moved from Mexico to Costa Rica. And in Costa Rica, Pastor Roberto and the church in the Samparados are aware that the cashew is a fruit. And they want to do mission with us with this holistic approach. Moreover, in the last decade, some theologians, especially from the global south, or countries that have been colonized by this mentality of mission with militaristic approach. So these theologians from those countries, they have been raising a point that we should be looking to the beginning of the Bible in order to understand God's mission. And, and that's why this series that we're starting today, and we are looking at Mary's events, but we are having in the back of our mind here a framework and the framework that we want to have is Abraham's calling. In the text that we read this morning, Abraham is called and invited to be part of the redemptive work of God. 
starting all the way back in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. It is a simple calling that we read this morning, that we read this morning, but that is this calling is going to impact the whole biblical narrative. Moreover, it is here in Abraham's calling that the Great Commission is rooted, and not in the military ideal of the colonizer in the 1500s. So Abraham's calling, it's simple and beautiful. And it's basically two things. If you may forget everything that I say here this morning, please remember these two things. That Abraham is calling to be a blessing to those around him and to obey God. If you read, if you read Abraham's story, you're going to notice that he never gets to see that he became a great nation. He dies before that. But he was faithful in the ordinary things that the Lord asked, asked him to do. So mission do not start with a big calling. But with the redemptive work of Christ, mission starts with the redemptive work of Christ, with ordinary people in ordinary places doing ordinary things. In Romans chapter 3 and Galatians also chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, in those chapters, he argues that by faith in Christ, we become, we become children of Abraham. In Christ, by faith, we inherit the blessing of Abraham. Therefore, also in Christ, Abraham's calling becomes our calling. So now, because Christ has died for us and redeemed us, and redeemed us from sin and death, we are now part of Abraham's family. Thus, we are also called to be a blessing to those around us and to obey God. So in this series, I hope you're going, you're going to be able to see God's invitation for us to bring shalom, which in other words is to bless those around us and obey Him. And our next sermons um, will be touching basically four areas in our lives, which is family, workplace, community or neighborhood, and our own church. I hope that, that we'll, be, we'll be invited and called to be a blessing to our family, to our children, your partner, your relatives. Called to be a blessing in our workplace as you commute from home to your office or as you go drive your truck or you go if you work in a school, whatever is your workplace. As you have to deal with unethical bosses, with, with difficult clients or to co-workers, and uh, in, in those situations, how are you invited or called to be God's presence in that ordinary thing that you do every day? How are we invited to see God's work in our neighborhood as we go to community centers, libraries, groceries, coffee shops, doctor's appointments, as we interact with our neighbors? And how God is inviting us to be a blessing and to obey Him in our own First Baptist Church. And all these things and much more, we hope to see through the eyes of Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
So I want you to get excited as we prepare to see Mary as a missionary model who does ordinary things. Someone who blessed those around her and obeyed God. Someone who obeyed God by offering her womb, her virginity, and uh, being a mother of a child. As, as, as Mary went to visit her, her cousin Elizabeth and bless her and live there for a few months in deep fellowship with her. As Mary sings her beautiful song that says, I am no one, I am nobody, I have nothing special. And if you look at the crowd, I'm so ordinary, I'm so average that you can even, you can't see me there. Yet, God, you have chosen me. As Mary is confused at the wedding, but she decides to let Jesus take control of the situation at the wedding. And how she's filled with hope and joy as she witnesses that he's a risen king. And she goes to their, her village spreading the news that Jesus is alive. So friends, these are just a few events in this series that we'll be touching. And we hope, we hope and pray that in the next few weeks, the Lord will open our eyes and lead our heart to those around us to bless them and to join the Spirit of the Lord in His redemptive work that is already taking place in our families, workplaces, community, and at church. May the Lord bless us. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.